Our scripture lesson this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we are looking at one verse only as an introduction to some sharing by members of our Guatemala mission team who will be coming shortly uh, to be uh, interviewed by me to talk about their experience. But I uh, wanted to um, focus on verse 10 of chapter 4 uh, as Paul speaks of the mandate, the urgency to serve with whatever gift the Holy Spirit has given us. And in the New Revised Standard Version, we read this, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. And then the New Living Translation says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. Let me just express my gratitude to uh, Jeremy last Sunday. I gave him two hours notice, um, only two. I woke up around four o'clock last Sunday and I had a fever and was just aching all over. I think my, maybe uh, Michael Moeller gave me a gift in Guatemala that kept on giving all week long, Michael, just as yours did. Uh, we both were a little puny for a few days, but I'm feeling better now. But I appreciate Jeremy rising to the occasion. I understand he did a great job, and I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we are so grateful today that we can um, hear stories, testimonies of your faithfulness and the amazing work that uh, you can do through us if we will simply make ourselves available to you. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who gifts us, as Scott has shared with us this morning, with these wonderful manifestations, these gifts of grace that allow us to serve you with our whole hearts. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we bring this series to a close, that it will only be a beginning for each one of us as we embrace a life of servanthood, as leaders, um, as um, servants in the church, whatever task, whatever job, uh, whatever challenge and mission may be entrusted to us, that we will serve wholeheartedly under the, uh, the, the anointing and empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he has entrusted to us. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to uh, talk about what you did in Guatemala and to commission our youth as they go forth today to serve in Jesus' name in West Virginia. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as uh, many of you know, our son Jared and his uh, wife and our two grandchildren moved last summer to Portland, Oregon for a year for Jared to continue his training as a surgeon. They'll be coming back in just a few weeks to North Carolina, which we're very excited about. But during one of our recent visits to the Northwest, uh, we were out driving on a, uh, one of the, the back roads trying to make our way to Jared and Laura's and I suddenly came upon this magnificent campus that looked like um, a small university, very modern, very sleek, very creative looking place, a lot of flowers, these stunning buildings. And I soon realized it was not a school, it was the international headquarters for Nike. And they are currently underway building onto this facility as the company continues to grow. But in January 1987, Nike was struggling. 
they only had a 14% market share of, of the uh, athletic shoe business. They were being beat ba beaten badly by Reebok, who had invested heavily in personal fitness and aerobics and the like. And they were looking for a new um, market slogan to try to, to, to give them some oomph. Uh, some, some spur them on maybe to get some new customers. And Dan Whedon, who was an advertising executive from Portland, Oregon, where Nike's headquarters uh, were located, pitched an idea to the company that initially the board just hated. They absolutely hated it. The account says some of them cursed and said, no way, we cannot do this. And one of the reasons behind... Uh, their rejection of, of a new slogan for Nike is that this something very similar had been said by, by this serial killer who had just been executed a few months earlier in Utah when he said to the execution, executioners, let's do this. And Whedon was proposing that the new slogan for Nike be just do it, yeah. 31 years later, it is still their most identifiable trademark, their branding, along with that swoosh that is so popular around the world. Where Whedon finally met with Nike's co-founder, Phil Knight, and he said to him, just trust me, <laughs> this will sell. And of course it did, it caught fire. And within a matter of months, the company's sales went up dramatically. They went from a 14% market share to nearly half of the market share. Their sales not only doubled, they went 10 times greater, 1,000% increase because of this personal challenge, which has a sense of urgency about it. Just do this. And there's something universal about those three words that applies to, to all aspects of our lives. Uh, we all know people that, that are procrastinators, that are lazy, that are complacent, that are lacking motivation, who have a really hard time stepping into what they know to be a better life, a better future. And for us as Christians, God's life, God's future for us. Just do it. Nike says. Now, Jesus, there's no record of Jesus ever saying just do it in the Gospels. But he came very close to it on a number of occasions because there was an urgency to the tone of the teaching of Jesus. You read the Gospels and take note of the fact that, that he called people. He called fishermen to leave their nets and follow him. There were others who wanted to go home and make preparations for a life of discipleship. And he, he basically said, it's now or never. Follow me. He said over and over again, as, as he did in Matthew 3, 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Much of the New Testament has a very similar tone. First and Second Peter, uh, the only epistles that, that have survived that Peter the Apostle uh, wrote to the early church were written during a time of severe persecution. 
Uh, it was a really hard time for the church. And, and Peter talks a lot about how to endure suffering, how to get through seasons of, of persecution and difficulty. And he didn't tell them to retreat, to build a wall. He didn't tell them to, to protect themselves, to conserve their resources. Peter says in these epistles, lay it all on the line. Just do it. Commit yourself entirely to God. Because we are living, Peter said, in the last days. Listen to the verses that precede verse 10, the verse I read just a few moments ago. There's such an urgency to what Peter has to say. The end of the world is coming soon. Now that's pretty urgent, isn't it? The end is near, Peter says. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, he writes in verse 8, continue to show deep love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, he says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And then in verse 10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. The New Revised Standard Version talks about the manifold grace of God. The variety, the multifaceted gifts, as, as Scott showed us with the cupcakes this morning. Um, it's not really good to show cupcakes and not let people eat the cupcakes, Scott. <laughs> uh, just telling you, you need to have those available out there in the narthex. First come, first serve. Uh, after the uh, service is complete. But he says, use them well. Use these gifts, these ex experiences, this heart, this passion, these abilities that God has entrusted to you. Use those well to serve one another. And again, our default mode, our response to difficulty in our lives usually usually is to retreat when trouble comes, to pull back, to focus on ourselves, to whine and complain even. But Peter says now more than ever, in a time of trouble, we should give ourselves to Christ and His kingdom. And so over these last weeks, there's been an urgency to this message of serve. We have many, many needs in our ministries in this church. And frankly, a minority of us are actually involved in serving those ministries. It's a fact. We have some people that are doing multiple ministries, that are giving many hours a week to, to serving God and serving others and serving our community in Jesus' name. And so we've, we've tried to motivate you, to stir you up, to show you the biblical foundations for service that everyone, everyone here without exception, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to be serving Jesus. Serving Jesus through His church. And of course, we've talked about children's ministries and how great the need is there. We have VBS coming up in July, which is a very easy and fun way to serve our children. We have the back to school bash coming up. Don, I know you're going to need volunteers, right? L lots of volunteers. 
uh, and, and we'll be recruiting for that very soon. We need servants with the back to, back to school bash. We've got coming up later in September, uh, the restart of our Wednesday night fellowship meals and, and our growth groups. And, and oh, how the kitchen crew needs help, right? Amen, Bob? Amen. Amen. Uh, so here's an opportunity to serve. And if you don't know how to, to, you know, to get around in a kitchen, I guarantee you Bob can show you. He knows his way around a kitchen. And there, there are other, so many other ways that you can serve. But the bottom line in this series is just serve. Is just do it. In fact, Jesus made it very clear in, in describing his ministry to his disciples. We looked at this passage early on in this series, Mark chapter 10. Someone asked me after the first service, what was that verse again? Uh, tell me where, that, where to find that. In Mark chapter 10, beginning with uh, verse 43, Jesus says, But whoever among you wants to be a leader among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to do what? Serve others. To serve others. And to give His life a ransom for many. The urgency of Jesus' life, of His mission, His purpose here on earth in human flesh, the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, was service, was to serve others. And so we are calling you in a new way, perhaps, to serve here in this body and beyond. And I think it's, it's, it's wonderful that we have here kind of a reverse uh, object lesson of, of what Jesus said in the promise of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1 that was read last week. Um, he said, you shall be my witnesses where? Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Well, some of us have already been to the ends of the earth. We went to Guatemala. Uh, others of us are going next door to Samaria this week, our youth and their counselors. And then we've got all these opportunities to serve right here in Jerusalem and Judea, in Georgetown and Scott County. But I wanted you to get a taste of what we did. You know, some people have said to me, they said, well, what did you do over there or down there in Central America? And I want to show you a, a, a slideshow. It's about five and a half minutes long. There's a little bit of authentic Guatemala marimba music in the background. Enjoy it. And then after they're finished, uh, we're going to bring our service to close with some testimonies from four of our youngsters, we call them. All of us old dudes called them youngsters who went with us on this trip. And then we're going to pray as a congregation here at the kneeling rail for our youth that we are sending forth. So, Danny, if you'll start that for us.
these are uh, some members of the team. Uh, we had a very diverse team in terms of ages. It was kind of amazing. Uh, we had two teenagers, uh, three in their 20s. Um, we had one in the 30s, in the 40s, the 50s. Uh, then we had two in their 60s and one in their 70s. We called him the Pope of Guatemala, none other than Jerry McAllister. There he is, the Pope, right there in his red shirt this morning. Uh, but uh, what a great experience we had. And I just want you to hear firsthand from some of those that went one takeaway, uh, one experience that has deeply impacted them that they won't ever forget. And we'll start here with Michael Moeller. All right. I say uh, the biggest takeaway that we had uh, down in Guatemala was the people. Uh, down, when we first went down there, everyone we met was very nice people. They were so kind and loving. And what hit me the most about the takeaway is that they were living in poor conditions when we went down to the village. Uh, the family that we, uh, we helped work with, uh, we found out that they only have one bed, in, uh, and they're all sharing it. Five people. Five people, and they're all sharing one bed. And it's like, not, it's not even not a king or a queen, no, it's no, just, just like a twin or a foal. Yeah, a little, over, a little bigger than a twin bed. Yeah. And what still hit me, though, is that everyone was still happy. That family was very happy for what they have. And the kids that we met, they were so loving and kind to us. And uh, what hit me the most was about them is that they, uh, they had worn out short uh, shirts, very uh, short pants and all that. Um, but they're still happy. They're living with uh, just dirty clothes and they're still happy kids. They still love to play around and uh, have fun. That's what really took away from me that you should be happy with what you have. Um, that's, that, and that hit me back home because uh, my family were supposed to go, uh, for me to go shopping with them uh, for another vacation that we're gonna have. But I said, no, I don't, I don't want to because I'm happy with what I have. All right. Thank you, Michael. Sean Eifert. Um, personally, one takeaway that I had that was extremely, um, it was emotionally moving and spiritually moving. Um, and I didn't even realize that we were going to have this because I didn't realize that we were going here. But um, we went to an orphanage led by CRI. It's called Mimi's. It's um, incredible. It's a really nice orphanage. But um, when we were there, um, we arrived and I, we walked in the door and first they showed us around the orphanage um, but when we walked in to where the babies were I was immediately handed a little girl and I fell in love with her because um, she was just she was so silent in my arms and I thought that she would cry and, but she didn't because I guess she felt safe but um, it was really incredible and then after I held her for a while they told me her story and um, she had been sold on the black market for a beer by her mother, and um, the police found out about it, and they turned her over to Mimi's, and that was incredible because I didn't even realize that you know she had that kind of story, and it was incredible to um, learn learn about her story, and it made me just love her even more. Um, something that really taught me was how much God loves us, um, even when we're in bad situations like that little girl, um, and how much worse we're supposed to take God's love and to transmit it to others because God loves us as equally as we should love others. Lauren Bolt. Uh, so we started building the house on a Monday and we finished construction on that Wednesday. Um, on Monday, the mother 
of our family. Her mom had died suddenly. It wasn't expected. She wasn't supposed to die. You know, the whole day we heard like wailings, like cries, and we thought, you know, it was just overwhelming emotions of I'm getting a house this week. But we learned that her mother had died. Um, we had, we had met her mother on Monday. Yeah, and she was fine. Yeah, she was perfectly fine. So it was a very sudden death, not at all expected. Um, and then Tuesday was the funeral for it, and then Wednesday she got a house. So you could probably only imagine the emotions going through her right now at, at this moment. And um, on when we were dedicating the house, we you know were finishing up the little details, putting the doors and windows on. We went. Some of us went into the village to go buy like food and supplies and stuff to stock the home, make it more homey for the family. And we were praying over the family, um, you know, telling like, this is your home, God gave this to you, like you can feel safe and comfortable here. And we were giving them our like, you know, our goodbyes, saying goodbye to them. And we went to go and like, give each other hugs and everything. And you know, in Guatemalan culture, they're very modest people. They're not really huggers. I guess, um, but we were giving them hugs, and when I went to give the mom a hug, I um, felt my hand go onto her head. I don't really like, it just kind of went onto her head, and I like held her, and she was hesitant at first, but like in a split second, she like fell into me and was just crying on me, and she was holding the back of my shirt just crying, and I remember, I mean, I felt like her tears of grief from her mother dying, but then her tears of like overwhelming joy and gratefulness for this like house that was just given to her. And you know, when I put it into perspective, she's 26 and I'm almost 20. So, you know, she's six years older than me. Her mom just died. She has three kids that she has to raise and take care of. And you know, when I'm 26, I'm probably not gonna have three kids and hopefully my mom will still be alive. <laughs> um, so it's just, I put these things into perspective and mm. like we didn't see much of her the entire time we were there because she was handling her mother and all of that. But I felt like this, in that moment, like a connection with her because you know, a six year age difference and just like holding her was something that I'm never gonna like ever forget. And I, I think one of the things that, that we all took away from the experience was the Guatemalan people were extremely grateful for anything and everything we did for them. Uh, even though it is the most impoverished country in Central America, uh, really hard, hard, difficult place to live, particularly in the village area that we went uh, out into. And uh, it was just so touching to see simple things were appreciated with such joy and with tears. So, uh, were you gonna say something else, Lauren? You said that, and like even when we were in the market, just shopping, one of the women, she was, you know, I wasn't gonna ask them to lower the price on like something, because like that's how they're feeding their family. So I was just gonna, you know, buy, and if I had to post too much, I wasn't gonna take it. Well, when she found out that I was a missionary there, she was so like, excited that we were actually like there to help her country and she was like since you're here to help us then like I'll help you and she gave me like a cheaper price but she was just so happy that like there was somebody down there people down there like willing to help the country grow which is pretty cool 
So I, I want you all in closing to share three words that might be um, expressive of the experience that you had, but could also communicate to others here why they ought to go and have this experience themselves next year. So my three words uh, that I will have to say about this trip that we all experienced was, it was an adventure. Yes, it was. It was beautiful, a beautiful place that we visit. And it just, it was very, very peaceful, let's say. My three words would have to be um, servant's mentality, which is a two word word, but, um, <laughs> and then, I guess just joyful. I just felt so much joy from the Guatemalan people the whole time I was there. Um, I would be beautiful as well, the country, but also just the interactions. Um, very joyful. Everybody was so, so joyful. And it was very humbling, um, just being in the cities and such. And I have to say, um, it, I, I was so deeply touched by how God had put this team of people together. Um, nearly everyone that went with us on this second trip, with the exception of Jerry and Rich, um, were not the people that I thought would be going. Um, and so I was a little nervous initially about the people that, that were volunteering, that wanted to go along. But uh, as we began to meet in advance of our departure, I think we had four uh, of our team meetings together. I saw so clearly that the Lord had put this group together and they were really amazing servants. Uh, they got along really well together. Uh, I think we all made new friends with one another. Uh, there was just a, a, a deep uh, commitment to, to the mission uh, of that week, but also to each other. And so, I, you know, there may have been some complaining behind my back, but I didn't see any. Uh, I saw a few eye rolls during the week, but, but, uh, but I understand that is Lauren's trademark. <laughs> there were good jokes. Uh, there were good jokes, yeah. But we, we, we had such an amazing time. And we just, all of us want to thank you. If there's other members of the team here, would you all stand up so that you can be recognized? Who else is here? Here's Jerry. Is Rich in here? Yeah, there's Rich over here. Um, we want to say thank you to the congregation for your prayers, uh, for your encouragement, for your financial gifts, for eating all that chicken at Zaxby's over the last few months. All those things made a difference in helping us to fund this trip. And uh, we invite you, whatever your age, if, if the Pope can go, you can go, right? Uh, so join us next year. Uh, we'll be uh, talking about this trip soon and uh, having some informational set sessions and also giving you uh, some ideas of what it would cost for you to go. And then we'll start raising money for next year so that we can build another house for a poor family. But could you all give these young youngsters a round of applause? Now to conclude our service, we want all of the youth mission team members and the adult counselors to come and to kneel at the front. And then you all come, as many of you uh, as will, and gather behind them and lay hands on them so that we can pray for them as we send them forth. They are leaving in just a few minutes for West Virginia for their week of servant ministry. So you all come, don't be shy. Congregation, you come in as family members, friends, teachers, encouragers, 
just come and lay hands on them that we might pray for them and bless them. us to be your witnesses here in Georgetown and, and outward all around the world. God, we thank you for those who have answered this call to go away from Scott County to do mission work. Uh, and specifically, we lift up these youth uh, who are headed to West Virginia this afternoon. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will descend upon them, that it will fill them in new ways that they have not experienced before. God, we pray that you will protect them as they travel and that you will bless the work they are doing, and that the people they come in contact with will experience your love. God, we pray that you will be glorified in all of their actions, in all of their work, and all of their service. And we pray that you will receive all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.